to, to take them and to discipline them. And for whatever reason, I decided that I wanted to show them and teach them a lesson about grace. And I said, look, this is what you've done and, and this is what needs to happen. But dad's going to show you grace. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get your discipline today. And they were just like, <gasps> like, it was just such an amazing thing. Like, I don't have to be disciplined. This is, Wow. Now, as a parent, I didn't realize this would happen, and, and maybe this has happened to you, but the next time this child got in trouble and I needed to discipline them, they're like, grace, daddy, grace, grace, daddy, grace. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, just got a sense this morning that there's some of us today where you don't know what grace is. We've all borne the weight of sin in our lives, right? And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, right? That's our punishment. That's our discipline this morning. We all deserve to die. We won't have eternal life, but Jesus came and had grace on us. Grace to help in time of need. He he showers us with grace. So I don't know what you're going through, but even as we spoke the name of Jesus in a prayer, as we worshiped with the name of Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus is here. He comes by his Holy Spirit to meet your needs, to intervene. So would you raise your hands with me if you're comfortable? Let's pray today. God, we look to you, Lord Jesus. You're the master. You're the savior, Lord. You're the one that shows us grace. So, Lord, we do. We cry out for your grace. God, thank you. It's amazing grace that saves us. It's amazing grace that rescues us. Lord, it's amazing grace that comes and ministers to our deepest need, to our deepest hurt. God, Lord, you know the situations. Lord, you know the aloneness. You know the despair, God. You know the anxiety, Lord. You know the fear. You know the depression, God. But you've come to rescue us from it. So we put our eyes on you today, Jesus. We don't put our eyes on the wind, the waves, the storm. We put our eyes, Jesus, you're in the boat with us. And we look to you and we thank you. We cry out, Lord Jesus, give us your grace today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Greg Vicaro. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a pleasure to be with you all this morning. We are finishing up our drive series. If you could put that up, Pat. We're finishing up our drive series this morning. And you know, this series has been building for something. It's not just that we're trying to give you cool stories about drive. We're trying to to build somewhere that we would learn how to operate in the Spirit. We would learn how to drive by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so even as we've been going through this, uh, this series today, I want to just recap for a minute and talk about, all right, what, what have we covered? We've talked about directions, red light, green light, independence, vision. So what are the directions that God gives us, right? What does it look like to actually be directed by the Holy Spirit? The importance of directions in God, uh, that, that God would give us directions, he gives us his map, Right? The, God's map is the Bible, right? And that's how we can come and we can understand, this is what I need to do. There's times where we go to the map maker in prayer. We receive direction in prayer. God will minister to us. Godly counsel is another way we talked about getting direction. Next week, the, the week after directions, we talked about red light, green light. And how do we understand sometimes, God, what is it that you're saying to us? Have you ever had that, God, is this you or is this me moment? And you're not really sure. God is, what are you saying? Well, you know, there's times in the spirit where he gives you that check. It's a red light. And, and you need to know, no, don't blow through the red light. Like the red light's there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. You should stop at red lights. So 
we, we learn the difference between a red light and a green light, how to listen to the Spirit of the Lord, that the Spirit's going to give us direction. Then we looked at this thing called independence, right? And how many of us, we want to be our own person. We, we want to do things our way. We talked about my five loaves and two fish, like it's mine. Remember your three-year-old when they're like, my do it. I'm going to do my, I'm going to tie my shoes. My do it. Right? When we have that spirit of independence for the Lord, before the Lord, God really can't use us. Right? It's, it's when we say, God, here's my gifts, here's my talents, here's my abilities. God, I'm going to give it to you today. I'm going to offer it up to you. Then he can feed 5,000 with the little that we bring to him. Right? So will we offer him our gifts, talents, and abilities and watch him do miracles? Last week, Kevin brought a message about vision and how important it is for us to see that God has a vision. He's got a will for our lives. And we need to enter into, not, not our way, but God, what's your way? Right? And he mentioned that he was building a house, right? But, but the house had blueprints. And God is the owner of the house. God's designed the blueprints, but it's now for, for us to say, Lord, I don't want to build a house according to my way. I want to build the house according to your blueprints. So, we have directions, red light, green light, independence, vision, exits, and that's what we're covering today. We're, we're talking about exits, right? If we want to successfully navigate our spiritual walk, we need to know how to navigate exits, right? Anybody ever gone on a trip, ever taken an exit before? You know what I'm talking about, right? But before we get into any of these things, I want to start with a scripture that the Lord confirmed in such a cool way this morning. But let me read it to you, and then I'll tell you the story. So Ephesians 2.8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. Right? As we learn to drive in this spiritual journey, God has prepared good things for us to do. Long ago, he prepared them. And it's like, wow, God, you've got a purpose for my life. I need to find that. I need to get your directions, your red light, green light, like all these things. They lead us to that God has saved us and he's got a plan for us. And and this is what God says of us. You know, even as we sang that song, God, it's what you speak over me. He calls us his masterpiece. Do you feel like a masterpiece today? I don't know that I always feel like a masterpiece, but that's what God says of us, that we are his masterpiece. Because when he looks at us and we're covered with the blood of Jesus, we're holy in his sight. We're holy because he says that we're holy. So I love where it says God saved us by his grace when we believed. We can't take credit for it. It's a gift. Right? And how many of you and how many of uh, I grew up thinking that, all right, the only way I'm going to get to heaven is I got to do more good things in life than bad things. Right? And, and when I get there, hopefully the good I've done is going to outweigh the bad and God's going to let me in. Did you know that's not in the Bible? It doesn't talk about that at all in the Bible. It's not a question of what you've done that's been good or bad. It's a question of what have you believed. Right? And this question of belief, it's, it's God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit. It's a gift. Right? Can you earn a gift? Well, it's not really a gift if you earn it. Right? It's, it's a reward then. But if it's a true gift, you didn't pay anything for it. It's, you receive it. So some of us, we're trying to earn our salvation, we're trying to earn God's love. God doesn't make you earn his love. He wants you just to open up your arms and receive his love. But the cool thing is this, that when you believe, 
it takes your life to believe. It's like when Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. If we're actually going to believe God, it's a saving faith that we have to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I give you my life. I give you everything that I am. And as Steve talked earlier in communion, we enter into a covenant with God. That's what salvation is. And that's when we can say, this is what God says of us. We're his masterpiece. And he's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we come to know him in salvation. We find freedom in him as we, as we come to know him. There's things that hold us back. We need to find that freedom. Then we go on the pathway. We discover, God, you've got a plan for me. I'm discovering there's a purpose for my life. And now how we, we go and do those good things, he wants us to make a difference. He just doesn't want to leave us that we've discovered this purpose. Isn't this wonderful? God saved me. It's great. I'm just going to sit down and enjoy the moment. No, like there's stuff for you to do. There's stuff for me to do. We got to be about it. So this morning, as we look at exits, we're going to talk about three different stories in the Bible. All right, and, and I want to give us three different examples of, of different exits that God can work in our lives and how he's worked them in the Bible, and we're going to make that application. So if you've ever taken a long trip, how many of you love a sign like this? Right? I hate when it's just the gas station alone, unless it's got a Dunkin' Donuts attached to it. That's wonderful. But, like, you want those stops to be meaningful. You don't want to be stopping every 30 minutes if you're on a long drive. You, you want to make your stops count. You need gas. You need food, maybe lodging if, if it's getting late at night, right? So what would happen if we ran out of gas on the highway? That would be a bummer, huh? It would be a major, major bummer. It's the same way in our spiritual life. What would happen if we ran out of gas, right? What would happen if we start to all of a sudden we run out of gas spiritually and now we're working in our own strength and trying to do no, it doesn't work that way. It, it won't be good. So what happens in life if we don't eat food on a consistent basis? If you're driving all day, all night, and you never take anything to eat, you're going to get weak. Same thing's going to happen spiritually. We're going to get weak. What about recognizing the importance of rest? How many of you have driven all through the night? Ever done that? Yeah, that, that's hard. It's hard to keep going, especially, I don't know, maybe two, three, four. I've done that and had to pull off. On the side of the road, you put your ball cap over your eyes so the, the street lights aren't in your, your face and you try to get a few hours rest. But it's important. I, I remember a time when I was in college, I was going to a wedding and not having a place to stay. I called up a friend of mine. Uh, this was in Lancaster County and this, my friend was a dairy farmer. And he's like, sure, you can come stay with me, but we, we get up early on the farm. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever. And he's like, hey, if you'll help me milk the cows in the morning, then we can both go to the wedding and we'll both be on time. I'm like, I've never milked a cow before, but I'll give it a shot, right? So I don't know. We woke up at 4 in the morning. We're doing the chores. We're milking cows. We're shoveling the hay and all the stuff you do. And finally, we, we go to the wedding. It's a great wedding. Have the nice meal afterwards. And I'm driving home, and I'm getting sleepy, right? And I'm like, no, no, I can make it. I can make it. Well, I, I opened up my eyes and I saw that I was like in a, you know, heading for the barrier and quick turn the wheel and the car, my Datsun B210 spins around. Um, thankfully, it, it, I, didn't, I didn't wreck anything. I didn't hit anybody, but I learned the importance. Hey, when you're tired, like pull off to the side of the road. It's important to get some rest, even if you're just going to shut your eyes on the side of the road. So first story this morning, we're going to look at a man named Elijah. You ever heard of Elijah in the Bible? He was a prophet. Uh, you find this story in 1 Kings 17 and 19. And this is how God led Elijah to his food, gas, and lodging. So I'm just going to tell you the story first before we look at some scriptures. But in 1 Kings 17, God tells Elijah to go to this king. His name was Ahab. 
And he says, look, I want you to tell the king, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there's going to be no dew or rain over the next few years until I give the word. All right, so guess what happened after that? There was no dew. There was no rain, right? Exactly what Elijah said happened. And day after day, Ahab is getting more and more annoyed with Elijah. Like, hey, we need rain. Where's that guy, Elijah? Like, who does he think he is that he can just stop the rain and stop the dew? So Elijah's becoming more and more unpopular. Three years goes by, and God says to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab and tell him that I'm going to soon send rain. So Elijah goes to to King Ahab, and this is the first thing the king says to him. So is it really you? You, you troublemaker of Israel? That's what Ahab calls Elijah. You're a troublemaker. Elijah goes, I've made no trouble for Israel. It's you and your family who are the troublemakers, for you've refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. That's the way to win friends and influence people. Don't you think Ahab would love Elijah after hearing a comment like that? Yeah, he would. So... Elijah says, look, let's have a showdown between the Lord God and Baal and all the prophets of Baal. So he proposes to King Ahab, take your 450 prophets of Baal. We're going to have two oxen, two altars, and let the God that can come and consume the offering with fire, let that be the God that we serve. So they all say, okay. So they they have their, their two altars, and he's like, you know what? Please, prophets of Baal, you guys go first. So, so they build their altar. They're worshiping Baal. They're doing everything that they can. Nothing's happening. So probably midday, Elijah starts to taunt them. And he tells them, hey, call on the name of your God. And, and, and maybe, maybe, um, you know, maybe he's uh, sleeping right now. Or, or maybe there's something else. He's daydreaming. He's relieving himself. That's in the Bible, right? Elijah says, maybe your God's relieving himself. Or he needs to be awoke so the prophets of Baal, they're cutting themselves. They're, they're crying even later, even louder than they were before. Finally, about evening time, Elijah's like, okay, guys, you've had enough. I gave you all day. So now let me, let me build my altar. So he builds his altar. He puts 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He, he puts the, the calf on top of the wood. And then he says, okay, I need four jars. And I want you to pour jars of water over the entire offering. So they do that, kind of get it all wet. And he's like, okay, do it again. So they take four more jars, pour more water on top. All right, do it again. A third time, four jars of water. Like it's running over, it's, it's, on, the, it's on the stones, it's all over the place. And then Eliza prays, Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you're the Lord that have brought them back to yourself. And immediately the fire of the Lord comes down. It consumes the offering, consumes the wood, consumes the stone, takes out all the water, and everybody's like, <gasps> and, then, and then Elijah says, okay, seize all the prophets of Baal, and he goes and he kills all the prophets of Baal. Like, what an amazing victory, right? Like, you, you look at this guy, and I'm like, I'm in awe of Elijah. I, I'm in awe of what it did. Like, what a crazy, awesome day it was until it wasn't. And he could be like, what? It wasn't? What happened? So here's what happened. We're going to pick up the story, 1 Kings 19. Ahab gets home and tells his wife Jezebel about all that happened, right? So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you killed them. Now, I don't know about you, but when my mom got mad, she would do this thing to me, and I knew I was in trouble, right? If, if any of you were Italians here, this is what my mom would do. She'd go like this. 
I don't mean like, when you get home, I'm going to eat you alive. Like, you are dead meat, kid. Like, you were in so much trouble. I don't know. If you saw that, man, you just quaked. And this is what happened to Elijah. It's as if Jezebel did this to him. They weren't, they weren't even seeing her. But all of a sudden, he is just overcome with fear. He's afraid for his life. He flees for his life. It's the same day. He just saw God do this. He just killed the 450. The same day this happens. And now he's, he's overcome with fear. He goes to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, leaves his servant there, goes out alone into the wilderness, travels all day, and he sits down under a solitary broom tree and he prays that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than the ancestors who have already died. What was happening? Elijah was alone. Elijah was out of gas. Elijah needed to find the exit and, and say, God, I, I need that time of refreshing. There's something that I'm missing right now. So he, he does the right thing. He goes to an alone place. He prays. It's not, it's not a pretty prayer. You don't look at that prayer as a, as a prayer of the man of God for the power and hour, right? He's, he's praying a really desperate prayer. God, take my life. I'm no better. I don't know what to do. So this is what God does for Elijah. <clears throat> he sends him an angel. And in the middle of his low point, an angel comes and says, manja, manja, Elijah. That's the Hebrew for, you know, here, eat. Um, <laughs> So the angel tells Elijah to eat. He gives him food. And then the angel comes back and says, no, you didn't have enough. I want you to have some more. He gives him seconds. And then, then the angel says, now I want you to go to Mount Sinai. It's a 40-day journey to get to Mount Sinai. He goes to Mount Sinai. And this is what happens when he's on the mountain. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him as Elijah stood there. And the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain, and it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice starts to speak to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? And it's God. God is starting to speak to Elijah. So here's the the obvious question of this story. How did God speak? Right? There's times where we're at a desperate point to hear God. And and we're at a low. We we need gas. We need fuel. We we need lodging. we, We need rest. And you know what? We can be... We can be tantalized by the windstorm. Oh, that must be God. Look how dramatic it is. It's this windstorm. No, God wasn't in the wind. What about the earthquake? Like earthquakes don't happen every day. I know one just happened this past week, but earthquakes don't happen every day. God wasn't in the earthquake. Fire. You know what? I, I heard that fire is a sign of the Holy Spirit. The fire must be God coming. It's a sign. No, it wasn't. It was just fire. It wasn't God. But God comes in the whisper, and he speaks a word of encouragement to Elijah. He goes on to tell Elijah. He, he ministers to the need that Elijah has. Elijah felt alone. He felt like he was the only one left on the planet Earth that believed in God. And God goes, no, Elijah, there's 7,000 others that still believe in me. And Elijah, right after this, I'm going to send you to a man. And, and Elijah anoints Elisha right after this. So now he's partnered in ministry. He's not going to minister alone anymore. Right, so, so God ministered to Elisha's greatest need in that moment. 
But it wasn't this dramatic thing that we would expect. I would look at the dramatic, wow, the wind, the the earthquake, the fire, like that's got to be God, right? No, God was in the whisper. And that's what it looks like sometimes to take an exit and to hear God speak. Well, what are you, what are you looking for? We, we know our need. We know that we're desperate for God, but we've got to pull aside and we have to listen and, and discern what is, the, what is the voice of the Lord in this moment? What, is God, what would God have us do? So maybe today you're at a low point. Maybe today you're at a point where you say, God, I, I don't know. Take my life like I'm no better than anybody else. God sees you today. He, he knows the deepest part of your heart and where your hurt is. And God wants to minister to that. That's why he gives us the exits in life that we can draw aside and, and he will not only feed you by his spirit, he'll also speak the word that you need to hear from him to tell you what's up. So that's one type of exit. Maybe if you've been traveling, you've seen this sign before. Anybody see a detour sign? You know, and usually what happens with a detour is they, they try to, like, take the four-lane highway down a three, down a two, down a one, and then they get you all off, right? And, and I know from the past, listening to Steve Hammes, that he's a member of the REP. Anybody remember what the REP was? The Road Ethics Police. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's times that I could be a, an honorary member of that club, but there's probably times that I break the rules. Uh, so tell me. If the lanes are narrowing down and you have an opportunity to keep scooting in that lane that's closing till the last second and then cut over, do you get over right away and stay in the long lane or do you drive down on the left lane and cut over? What, what's the right thing to do? Because I don't know if I'm doing it right or not. But yeah, I'm that guy that goes on the left lane and cuts over at the last minute. I, I don't know. That's just that's the way I'm wired. Don't judge me. Please don't judge me. Steve. What do I have to do to earn back my REP badge? <laughs> um, so, detours. The story of detours this morning comes from Genesis. And it's about Abraham and Sarah. And what we find in Genesis is the Lord is calling Abraham and Sarah, and he's saying, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to a land that I'll show you. Doesn't that sound amazing, that God would take you to a land that he's going to show you? So this is what happened. God takes Abraham and Sarah, and he says, look, as far as the eye can see, this is the land that I provided for you. And again, it's as beautiful as, as all get out until it's not anymore, because a few verses later, There's a severe famine that strikes Canaan, and Abram's got to leave this land that God has brought him to, and he's got to go to Egypt, and he's a foreigner. Ever felt like a foreigner? Right? Some of us, we've we've been to other countries. Some of us, you know, we weren't born here in America. We've come to America. Like, it's, it's awful sometimes being a foreigner until you make friends, until you find relationships, until you feel like you're connected. But Abram's in Egypt and it's, and it's just a, it's a challenging time for him and Sarah. And I'm sure at those moments of when you're feeling alone or you're feeling as a foreigner, you're like, God, why am I here? What's going on right now? I don't understand it. And for seemingly no purpose, he's in Egypt. And then we read in, in Genesis 13:3. so from the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they camped before where they camped before. Like, so, so they do this detour. They go to Egypt for a couple years, and then they come back, and they're camping in the same spot they camped before. It's like they didn't make any progress. It was a detour, and it got them right back on the highway, just you know, no further down the road than where they were before. And you'd be like, why? 
Do you ever have a detour in life and you're like, God, why? I don't understand why this is happening. What's going on? Right? So the interesting thing about this story is just a few chapters later, we're introduced to Sarah's um, servant. Sarah's servant's name is Hagar. She's an Egyptian. Guess where they got her? The time that they were in Egypt. Sarah found Hagar. The relationship formed, and now Hagar's traveling with Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. Now, if you know the story, you may not look at Hagar as being a good thing, right? Because when Sarah, God had promised Sarah was going to be um, the one that was going to have the descendants, uh, as, multi, you know, as, as many as the sand of the sea, but Sarah couldn't conceive. So even though God had spoken that she was going to have a child, out of desperation, they said, all right, Abraham, take Hagar, my servant, have a child through her. That's how God's going to do it. And that's not what God had intended. But after Hagar has the, the baby, then Sarah does conceive. Then there's some jealousy between the two. And Sarah says, send Hagar away. What? Like, it doesn't make any sense, does it? But God tells Abraham, look, I agree with Sarah. Send Hagar away. Hagar goes away. She's in the middle of the desert with her boy. She's crying out to God. And guess who shows up? God shows up. And he speaks a word to her. So now here's the point of the story with the detours. You could look at Abraham and Sarah saying, detour to Egypt. What? Pick up Hagar. Why why would they pick up Hagar? Why? Because God wanted to rescue Hagar out of Egypt. God needed Hagar for the rest of the story. God loved Hagar. He came to her in the wilderness and said, no, I'm going to make you the mother of a nation as well. Right? So God worked. It wasn't for Abraham and Sarah's benefit that they wanted on a detour. There was someone they needed to meet, someone they needed to intersect. And it wasn't until much later that God had this plan that he had intended. But Abraham and Sarah, they didn't understand it. So, you know, maybe you're in life, you find yourself in a place, it's a detour. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I thought my life was on track, and now I'm over here. I'm kind of in a parking lot waiting, and I don't get it. Why is this going on? Could be God's detour. It may not be for your benefit. It may be that you're supposed to minister to someone else, right? Aren't we? We're usually, we're very introspective. God, what do you have for me in this moment? Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for someone else, and that's why God has you there. And, and if we could open up our eyes and say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. Even when it seems like I'm in a detour, I'm going to trust you and believe that you've got a plan. You've prepared good works for me even before the foundation of time that I should do. And we take that detour and we go and we listen to God's spirit and we're led by his spirit. So, so what's the purpose of exits? The purpose is that we'd be led by his spirit. God's got things for us to do. Sometimes we need to take an exit for, for gas, food, or lodging. Sometimes it's a detour exit. But now I want to show you a really, really cool exit. Have you ever heard the term a divine appointment? Maybe some people call them divine assignments where like the Holy Spirit just tells you, hey, I need you to go and speak a word to that person. Maybe by text, maybe a phone call, maybe a letter. I need you to just go, you know, maybe it's the cashier uh, that you're checking out and, and you're like, you know, what? God wants you to know that he loves you today. And they're like, oh my gosh, I was just wondering that question. Why would you come right now? Like, it's a mind-blowing situation, right? So we're going to look at a time uh, where this evangelist Philip in Acts, he just has the most craziest experience. This is, this is an exit I think we all would like, all right? So this is, we're going to pick up the story in Acts two twenty six. It says, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go and walk along beside a carriage. So there's a man in a carriage, a very wealthy man, and 
Philip runs over. The, the man is reading the word of God, and he hears the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? Simple question, but this is what the Holy Spirit prompted Philip to just go ask this, this ruler. And the man says, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urges Philip to come up in the carriage and sit with him and explain what's going on. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip gets to share the entire message of the gospel with him. All the good news of what Jesus had done, why he came. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So Philip's like, great, let's go down. He baptizes him. Now this is the cool part. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatches Philip away. And the eunuch never sees him again. But he goes on his way rejoicing. Because you know what? Philip was on to the next mission. Like, how cool would that be? That, that you're just led by the Holy Spirit and, and God says, all right, Tim, I need you to go and minister to this person. Tim's talking, he ministers to him, and then boom, Tim's caught away. On to the next assignment. Like, that would be amazing. So the question that I, I, fear, I, I feel in my heart sometimes is that God has a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us, but are we fulfilling it? Right, as, as we're learning to drive, and, and we're learning to drive by the Spirit, Last week, we saw an example of this, and, and I don't know if you remember it, but Pastor Ed got up, and he had a word for someone, and he said, look, in the area of relationships, God's saying there's a relationship that's not healthy that you're in. And, and Ed, by the Spirit of God and a word of knowledge, said, all right, God wants you to come, and I don't know exactly what he wants you to do, but you need to go to God about this, right? If that was you, would you come and let me know, because I, I would really love to hear the rest of that story. I, it's kind of unique that Ed would get up and say that. But then another divine assignment, Robert gets up last week and and says, I feel like God has given me a word from Isaiah that we should all be saying, here I am, God, would you use me? And and we should volunteer. And that fits so well with Kevin's message. Right, this morning, as I told you, that first scripture where he talked about that we're God's masterpiece. Here's the cool way that God confirmed that to me this morning. I, I know another pastor in Nashua, and, and he encourages pastors with a little text. So he sends, sends a text out to a lot of different pastors, but he sends individual texts. It's not a group text thing. I've been on the group text, and your phone just blows up, you know, so I get off of them. But it's an individual text, and this is what he says. You know, as I was in prayer this morning, I felt like God wanted me to share with you that you're his masterpiece. And I'm like, what are the odds? What are the odds that this guy would out randomly use the same scripture that I'm starting off the message with? So I believe God wants to confirm to some of us today that you're his masterpiece. Even as we sang, God, it's what you say about us that matters, not what we think in, our, in and of ourselves. God calls you his masterpiece, but you're his masterpiece when you've surrendered your life to him. Right? You're his masterpiece when you're saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You're his masterpiece when you say, God, I, I want to learn how to, how to drive and take the exits that you've called me to take. I want to be like Philip where I'm, I'm hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want to be like Elijah, that even when I'm down and out, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to pray. And God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me what you want. Some of us, we're in a detour in life. You know what? The detour isn't for no reason. God has a plan in that. He's got a purpose in that. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? You know, as I, as I prayed about this close, I felt like this question that we're God's masterpiece is, is where we need to focus.
would you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you asked yourself in your heart, am I God's masterpiece? How many of you would say no? Even when I tell you, look, it's not in and of yourself that you're God's masterpiece. It's the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus that cleanses you, makes you righteous, and that's why you're God's masterpiece. Some of you might still say, no, Greg, I don't feel like God's masterpiece. And then I'd have to ask you the question, well, well, why is that? Right? If we believe it, we receive it. No, it's not working for me, Greg. I don't feel like I'm God's masterpiece. You know what? God needs to speak a word to you in season this morning. He needs to come to that quiet place of your heart, just like he did with Elijah. Elijah was afraid right after he had the biggest victory of, of any victory. Amazing. But in that moment, he felt alone. And God came and he ministered to him. It wasn't with the wind. It wasn't with the earthquake. It wasn't with the fire. It was with the still small voice. And God wants to speak a word of encouragement to you this morning. He wants you to let you know that, that you're seen, that he, that he understands. He's there with his grace. He's there with his mercy. And I, and I think there's an opportunity. If you need God's grace this morning, if, if you need that voice from the Lord, you know, I want to give you an opportunity for prayer. Would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? If you're here and you need God's grace, you need his mercy, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's no mistake that that other pastor would, would send me that verse this morning. That's how God works. Some of us think the Christian life can be boring. You know, I don't think what Philip was living was a boring life at all. That sounds amazing to me to have those kind of opportunities to just be used by God. And, and there's times I'm like, God, my five loaves and two fish, they're nothing. But God doesn't care what we have. He cares are we available or will we give it to him? So, Lord, I, I pray for these that have raised their hands, God. Lord, they need a word from you. They need your grace this morning in a special and divine way. Lord Jesus, would you come and would you intersect them, God? Would you fill them with your spirit? God, would you let them know that you're loved? If, if you're, that was you this morning, would you raise your hand? And, and, folks, if you see someone with their hand raised, I want you just to go lay hands on them. I feel like this is a time of impartation. Keep your hands raised. If you see someone with their hands raised around you, just go to them and lay hands on them. And let's just pray an impartation right now now. Lord, thank you, God, for ministering peace. Thank you for ministering grace. Lord, thank you for how you did with Elijah, God. You spoke in such a, such a pure way, Lord, with just your whisper. You spoke to the very need that he had in his heart, God. It wasn't the dramatic, uh, the, the dramatic scene of the wind, the fire. Lord, it was in that voice, and I pray in your, in your Holy Spirit, God, that you speak to the, to the needs of each one. Lord, fill them with your grace. Fill them with your love. Thank you for that, God. We worship you this morning, Jesus. You know, and if there's any of you here today that we, one, one exit we didn't talk about is, is when you, you get off that exit sign and you see the wrong way, go back, right? You're going down, you're going down the highway in the wrong direction. Right? If, as we've talked about, okay, we're God's masterpiece, it's because we believed this is how salvation comes. It's a gift we earn. If, if you're walking through life and you don't know Jesus, you're going in the wrong direction. Right? And you're constantly going to be dodging cars that are coming at you. And, and it's not a pretty thing. So if, if that represents you and you need to know Jesus today, you need to understand how to have a personal relationship, would you raise your hand? I want to talk with you after service. Anybody here that's you, you feel like, you know what, maybe I'm going in the wrong direction. I need Jesus in my life. 
Yeah, if that's you, I want you to come down after service and, and I want to pray with you. I want to talk with you, all right? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for each one here today. God, I thank you for this message of exits, God. There's, there's many things that you call us, God. Lord, I, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for us, that we're your masterpiece. Lord, that there's good works for all of us to, to accomplish. Lord, so we ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, give us those divine assignments. Give us those divine appointments, Lord. Show us how we listen to your spirit and we do what your spirit is bidding us and calling us to do. Lord, we want to be obedient to you. We want to see you move in power and might. Thank you, God, for how you're working in each of us this morning. I pray your blessing over God's people today, Lord Jesus. I speak your name, Jesus, to minister to every need. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. If you want to come to Growth Track, we're starting downstairs in about 15 minutes. Thank you.